Hey, this is H1. We're about to be running it back with another episode. I am so excited to be at this moment. We're on the ninth episode. We're almost at the end of the third season. The time just went by so fast. We're already in the middle of the year. But H1 is still present. And guess what? I'm not going to be turning back at all. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be learning how to evaluate the position as fast as possible with some key words, some key elements in chess that you need to get to know a little bit better. Once you know these key words specifically, then your chess will increase faster than Usain Bolt. <laughs> faster than the speed of light. Oh, okay, that's that's pretty fast. Faster than flash. Okay, okay, okay. I'm done with the examples. But let me put in the plug in right quick. My Instagram is H1Chess. My Facebook is Chess Knowledge with H1. My YouTube channel goal is still to reach a thousand subscribers. It is Chess Knowledge with H1. Please help me out with that. And other than that, let's get on with this chess knowledge. This chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding. Come with me to explore the treasure. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the next segment. Ah! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh huh, uh huh, yep, bro. This is H1, and H1 will be telling you how to evaluate the position fast. Keyword fast, how to evaluate the position fast. And it's good to know these things because when you're playing a blitz game, bullet, any type of rapid, fast game. You need to know these keywords, even in classical, when you just want to figure out things very quickly so that you can get into the calculation part. Because before, in my past episodes, we did talk about the thought process of chess, but it is good to know your strategic plan in a chess game. And I will be telling you these key elements in chess that you need to learn about. Let's get started. Let's get started with H1. Let's get it. First things first, we're going to be talking about time. Time in chess is super important. Time in real life is important. We only have 24 hours to get everything done. We only have 24 hours to work, okay? We only have seven days out of the week. We only have four to five weeks out of the month. We only have 12 months out of the year, and I can't dictate how many years we're going to have, but it's all very limited. It sucks. The seconds, the time on the clock is always ticking, but in chess, we can figure out the time. What could H1 be talking about when it 
when we're talking about time. What is time in chess? Well, H1 views time in chess as development. Whoever has the most pieces developed off the first rank, if you have your knights, bishops, your queen, your two rooks on open files, your your king castled, then you have a lot of time. And if your opponent has none of those, then you're up on time. And that's good because we want to be up on time to do our middle game plan, our middle game ideas. Development is important. Let's say you develop all of your pieces because you have been listening to H1 for the past nine months, okay? Or just this episode, you've just been listening to H1 and you follow his stuff to be notified about each episode that's going to be coming out. And you develop all your pieces, you follow the rules. And your opponent knows about the rules and they follow the rules too, but they decide to leave one rook, one bishop, out the game they decide not to develop one bishop one rook and you got all your pieces developed who was fully equipped who was more fully equipped for the battle of course you would be fully equipped to beat your opponent because this is what is happening here when you don't have all of your pieces developed when you don't have the right amount of artillery then you're basically playing without those pieces. You might as well just throw those pieces in the garbage can. You might as well just throw those pieces in the dumpster and never use them again. Just swipe those pieces off the board if you're not even going to touch them because you won't be winning if your opponent knows how to play chess. So now you know if you develop your pieces, you have more time on your opponent. And guess this. Since you have more time, it comes with other things too. You get to dictate who attacks are more powerful. You get to dictate whose attacks will be faster. Time is such a beautiful thing. But if you waste your time, then you will get screwed. Now, time can be a strategic advantage. For example, in the end game, when you're facing a pawn king in game, everything, everything depends on the time. And most things depends on where your pawns are, your king placement, and where your pawns are. And if both of your kings are active on the squares of where they're supposed to be, then it depends on who has the further pawns. Who has the outside pawns? Who has the pawns that is close to queening? And that's pretty much what most end games end up to be like. Who will be able to get the queen first? Well, guess what? That takes time. You get to calculate that and you have to see, oh man, if I promote this queen, then they can promote this queen. Will I have enough time to get the advantage after they promote their queen too? Those are just simple things that you can think about in a strategic advantage. And plus, when you're attacking your opponent's king. Now, this usually happens in structures like the king's Indian defense, 
where the black side is attacking the king side and the white side is attacking the queen side and it's a close position and you're just trying to attack the bases of each other's pawns that takes time who's going to attack the side first who's going to dominate the side to cause problems for your opponent first everything depends on time depends on tempos fighting having ideas Everything depends on time. Do I need to say it one more time? Everything depends on time. And there are some other elements. Let's talk about the next one. And that one is space. Why is space so important, H1? Well, space is so important because usually whoever has the cramped position has the dis advantage and whoever has the space has a major advantage what are these advantages well when you have more space than your opponent and your opponent is cramped inside this little tiny house you see those tiny homes let's say somebody had those tiny homes and decided to keep all their stuff and they didn't have space in there to walk around at all that's pretty much what i'm talking about on a chess game. That's pretty much what happens because your opponent has less space to do things on and their resources are limited. Their ideas are limited. And usually they have to bust out with a bad move just to get activity in the position. And you can take advantage of that. So let me give you some ways to take it. Let me give you some ways of how space gives you certain type of advantages. Well, you can make most of the decisions in the position since your opponent is limited on everything. You can control more of your opponent's actions. For example, if you was playing prophylactic chess and then you realize, oh, my opponent's trying to get that major pawn break. Let me make that bad for my opponent so that they can stay cramped and I can win the game super easily. You can do that. And that gets to my third point. You get to attack on both sides. Usually when you have all the space in the world and in all the 64 square, well, less than 64 squares because they have like usually three ranks or two ranks. You know what I mean. When you have pretty much all the squares of the board, your flexibility is on fleek. So you can bring that bishop to the king side, to the queen side. You can you can swipe that rook from the queen side to the king side very easily. It happens all the time. You get most of the decisions. So let me say those things one more time. First of all, you make most of the decisions in those positions. Secondly, you have more control of your opponent's actions. Third, you get to attack on both sides of the board pretty easily. And your flexibility is on fleek. Is that still a terminology? I you got to understand, H1 is a dad. So I don't know if on fleek will ever <sighs> forget it. <laughs> forget it. Ask your kids if you're listening to this with your kids. Okay. Now, just to give you a warning on space, because it just might all sound good, right? Everything is good to have space. But just to give you a warning, it's not super bad as you get better in chess. But one major con when you're dealing with having more space is making sure that your opponent doesn't trade pieces and get super activity and take over your whole position. That's why it's good to know 
about your opponent's plan. When I talk about the thought process in chess, I always say first, what is my opponent's idea? What is my opponent's threat? What is their plan? Because if I know my opponent's plan, then I can make even a better plan to disrupt their plan. It's all about battling plans, guys. Let's make sure that your side is Gucci and their side is not Gucci. (laughs) Okay? Okay. This is the waiter room segment. Chess jokes by H1. And the joke of today is What did the chess player say to the waitress? Check, please. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. H1 is back. We're going to be covering the rest of the elements because there is more. That is not it. Pretty much, we're going to be covering this for the rest of the episodes. This is really important. And I wouldn't be covering it if it wasn't important. And this is everything that I have learned over the past, how many years? It's 14 years now? 14 years since I've been playing chess and teaching chess for 10 years? I think that's right. I know it's right. I know it's right. But these things are really important. And we only covered two of the elements. The past elements that we just covered was time, the first one, and the second one was space. Let's cover some more. Quality. Quality, quality, quality. When you think about quality, what do you think about? I know what I think about. When I think about quality, I think about the perfection of the thing that I'm looking at. It's like, what kind of laptop would you use to work on? You wouldn't pick some cheap Windows 1997 laptop, right? If they even had laptops back then. (laughs) I don't even know why I made that (laughs) example. But let's say uh, uh, you would have picked no 1997 desktop you wouldn't pick that for work because then you will be complaining about a lot of stuff but no if you're gonna work you need something that will at least boot up when you want it to boot up so you get that advantage nothing too pricey nothing too cheap though so maybe you'll get that windows 8 um what what, what brand is this that i'm using the the hp laptop at nebraska furniture mark that cost about a, a good amount of money. That don't know. I'm I'm super transparent. It's, it was like six hundred. But anyway, um, it's a good quality laptop for me to do these podcast episodes. So you should be thinking about the quality of your pieces. 
it's like two cups of water. Would you pick the one with a little bit of dirt in it? Or would you pick the one with no dirt in it? That looks completely clear, glistening on the outside with a little bit of that. You know how in those commercials they have the water dripping on the side and it just looks like it's going to quench your thirst just more since the water is like populating on the side. The precipitation, the insulation, the dedication. I don't don't know. I I just felt like rhyming. But the quality of your pieces are important. I talked about development in the in the first half of time because development is important but quality goes deeper than development quality talks about where exactly you are putting your pieces where should you put your pieces then if where you put where you put your pieces are important well, you got to put your pieces on the best square to execute your plan in the middle game. So that means that you have to be prepared to do your middle game plan after the opening. That's a big tip for all of you tournament players and all of you people that's trying to climb up the rating ladder. You should be going out the opening with a plan already before you play the game. And you should know that plan so that you can put your pieces at the right spot to execute that plan okay if you need me if you need to rewind that you can do that right now just to understand that now depending on the position the quality of your pieces can beat the material element of the position and we will be talking about material pretty soon the quality of your pieces can beat material things so if your opponent is up material but you have better quality pieces then you will have the advantage especially if their pieces aren't as active especially if you have quality in a whole lot of space those two things will kill your opponent very quickly and then you will execute that win and you'll be super happy because you finished off a game down in exchange But your position was ultimately, ultimately superior. So don't give up when you're down in exchange. Because you have many chances to either win or draw, especially if you're in the lower bracket. And just to hit you with a a little bit of reality, depending on the position, if you're facing a grandmaster, then your chances of drawing or winning get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So don't be thinking that you can draw or win down an down an exchange against Hikaru Nakamura or Magnus Carlsen. The next thing I want to talk about is king safety. Having a castled king, having a castled king is important in certain positions. You like how I'll be using those words, certain positions. I talked about this before. Go back on my um I had an episode on what was that episode called? chess principles go back on chess principles and you'll realize why i use terms like that because chess can be super hypocritical on certain things i say king safety having a castle king is important in certain positions because sometimes you don't need to castle let me explain before you just go into your next game 
being like, ah, I don't need to castle because H1 told me not to castle, so I'm not going to castle, and then you're going to blame me for being a bad player for years. I don't want you to do that, so I'm going to explain to you specifically, and this is just in specific terms paraphrasing because there's a lot of things that go into it. There's more information on this. I would rather you go deeply into um, these uh, these openings and middle games with a lot more information than what I'm telling you now. So, in a closed position, usually castling kind of doesn't matter. In a closed position. In a closed position is if both opponents, both players still have all their pawns and the center is locked up. For example, if you can visualize this right now, if you're good with like board and visualization stuff, you would have a pawn on e4 and another pawn on um, d3, and then black would have a pawn on d5, and then he would have another pawn on um, e f- and not, not that d4. Just imagine it like that, just the locked up center right there in those type of positions you don't kind of need the castle usually not castling staying in the center is the best spot for the king if the position is locked up like that now there are positions where it is important to castle right away as soon as possible as soon as possible and that is usually open positions when it's open and tactics are flying everywhere and if you're an e4 player then you might as well just skip all the information that i said before this and just immediately castle on each you know when you have time to yeah castle if you are dealing with open positions with the the four center pawns gone if you don't have an e pawn or d pawn in the middle game you need to castle Get that king to its bed because the king needs to lay low so that the king can pump some pump some weights and get ready for the end game because that's when the king is going to be a better player. Now, I have seen so many, so many horrible games by players who just needed to castle the dang king. And only if that player would have just took the time to castle that one thought process maybe my king needs to be more safe before i attack my opponent maybe my king needs to be more safe before i do any other improvement move maybe my king needs to be more safe before i sacrifice my queen just just things like that take the time to castle it's usually the better move probability wise it's like 99% (laughs) Some guy's going to be like in the comments like, no, it's not 99%, but it's usually about 80 to 90% always a good idea to castle. But H1, which side should I be castling? On the queen side or the king side? Which side, H1? Since you're saying that it's important to castle. Well, there are key differences of both sides. And I will give you the textbook information on that because i've been teaching for a while so here you go 
The king side is usually more safe. Why is the king side more safe? Because when you castle on the king side, then the king is already protected by the pawns. The three pawns are already in front of the king and they're ready to protect the king. And all the pawns in front of the king are already protected. Now, when you castle on the queen side, then it's a lot more sketchy because usually when you castle on the queen side, that rook slaps on that D file, then you have a little bit more activity. So you're basically sacri sacrificing a little bit of your king safety for a little bit of quality. And that can be dangerous because when you castle on the queen side, then there's a diagonal hitting your queen, not, not your queen, hitting your king when you castle on the queen side. And not only is that diagonal kind of open for your king to get checked, but when you castle on the queen side, you have to take that extra move just to do king b1 so that that a pawn doesn't feel lonely and your opponent doesn't have the good idea. Wait a minute, I can attack that a pawn and checkmate my opponent very easily. Both of them have quite <laughs> few differences, but king side is usually safer. You know what's not safe? When both sides castle on each end of the board. That is not safe at all because you know what the main goal is? You know what the main plan is? To dominate your opponent. To make sure that you pawn storm your opponent and make sure that they get checkmated super fast. Capture that king. Now, that goes back into time. Whoever has more time, whoever has more pawns, pawn storming each other's king, will get that dub very easily if they're skilled enough to do so. And those positions are really complicated, but at least each side castled their king. Castle the king is important. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. So we just talked about the quality of pieces, the quality of the position, and we just talked about king safety. What else is there, H1? Well, wait until the next segment. This is the waiting room segment. Chess quotes by H1. And the quote of today is, If you don't got time, you're definitely going to be behind. Thank you for listening. H1 is back and we're about to be getting down to business like always and we're in the next segment. Now, let's go over what we just talked about. First of all, we just talked about time, second thing space, third thing quality, fourth, do you remember the fourth one? Do you remember the fourth one? If you said king safety, then you get a big thumbs up from H1. You know what I mean? And the fifth thing that I want to cover specifically is about pawn structures. I could talk about pawn structures all day, but I'm not going to just bore you with all that knowledge. So I'm just going to be talking about the specific things that I have learned just from personal experiences and what I teach other people. 
okay? Now, with pawn structures, there are weaknesses and there are advantages. Like, for example, if you have more pawn islands, then you have more weaknesses in your pawn structures. But only on this podcast, only H1 is going to give you this knowledge. And this is what I have learned from my experience playing multiple chess games, seeing grandmasters play these masterpieces over these past years. I remember just being a teenager, just home from school, just watching these um, chess tours go about, just seeing these games. And I'm like, whoa, he's allowed to do that? If he's allowed to do it, then I'm allowed to do it too. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you, but I need you to have an open mind about this because in chess, not everything is black and white. There's a little bit of gray area into it. Not everything is left and right. Not everything is just peanut butter or jelly. Put those two together and make peanut butter and jelly. Oh man, you know, you know, H1 just likes cracking himself up sometimes. But anyway, in chess, you would succeed more if you don't put ultimatums principles in your head. Because if you make something an ultimatum, then you're gonna be heating yourself back. If it just messes up the whole process of your chess journey if you make something a always or you should never do it. But anyway, that brings up my next point that weaknesses and advantages and pawn structures depend solely on each position that you play. Let me say that again. Weaknesses and advantages and pawn structures depend solely on each position that you play. Okay? Yes, I said it. Yes, sir. <laughs> I said it. Even if you have isolated double pawns, it can be an advantage because it could be blocking the critical squares from your opponent in the middle game. But you know what the real truth is about pawn structures? Is that weaknesses like these usually become more prevalent in end games. So if you have more pawn islands than your opponent, then yeah, you're probably going to lose because it's in the end game. It's the end phase of the game. But if you have these pawn structures and you're trying to deal with it in the middle game, it's, you can still deal with them. You can deal with them by having more quality. And I've seen positions where the quality of the pieces overrule the pawn structure weaknesses. So don't take chess at face value. Don't read a book by its cover. You got to go inside the book. You got to read the letters. You got to look at the pictures if you read books with pictures in them. I don't know. I don't know how old you are. But you got to make sure that you dig deeper than the outside layer of the game. Now, I didn't Now, I didn't mention these in the beginning because th- there are two more elements which I'm going to go over just a little bit which is we talked about pawn structures. Now, the next thing is center control, self-explanatory. Once you're controlling the center squares, E4, D5, D4, E5, then you can basically um, go about winning the game after that once you control the center. Because the game of chess is usually revolves around the center. I know this new form of chess kind of 
skews your mind on if you should be controlling the center still but always remember the center is where the real battle happens h1's gonna say that again the center is where the real battle happens remember that please now the next thing which i was debating if i want to consider it or not but i guess for beginners it's super crucial that i consider this too is material if you're not up in material then most of the time you will lose that chess game if you're down a full rook you will lose that chess game to a good opponent but still if you have more quality some of these elements can overrule each other and that's what makes chess a beautiful game now here's the thing depending on the position each one of these keys elements can overrule each other but it's your decision to decide what you feel comfortable playing more into. So if you like having a, a good pawn structure all the time, then play openings where you have a good pawn structure all the time. If you like having this the control of the center and you don't want to play those passive um, counterattacking type of openings, then just start up the opening having center control. Or if you feel uneasy about, I don't know, um, being behind in time for uh, a good pawn structure, then don't be behind in time. It's all up to you. Chess gives you the decision. You're the you're the mastermind. You're the mastermind, and you make whatever decisions on the board. It's all up to you. You just got to make sure that you're making the good decisions. These key ways to figure out the truth of the position will always be a part of chess. So let me go over it one more time for everybody to understand all these things. And once you understand all these key things, you can evaluate a position very precisely every single time, just remembering all these things. Okay. You can look at a chessboard and just be like, okay, um, they don't have enough time. So their opponent can take advantage of that. But the opponent is up a material and you can decipher what you want to decipher very quickly just by considering these things. So to evaluate the position, it's good to consider the time, the space, the quality, king safety, pawn structure, center control, and material. And as you become a better player and as you become a better chess player going over 2000 rating or 1800 rating uh, somewhere around that you can take out material and king safety because that should just be in, embedded in your mind that you should keep the king safe and that material part should just be embedded you should not get behind the material unless it's for a good reason so really it's just if you're trying to like be an advanced player it's really just time space quality pawn structure and center control which is just five things that you have to keep up with yeah i guess h1 came in clutch this round uh if you stayed here for this long hey you dope bro <laughs> oh snap oh snap yeah buddy
such a good day outside. Man, H1 is not enjoying the breeze right now. I just wanted to say that it's such a good day outside, even though it's raining today and it's so gloomy. But, you know, you got to take each day at a time. Just like chess, you got you to gotta take each move at a time. You see how I just rope that around together? But anyway, I just like to say thank you for listening. And if you made it this far, you might as well follow and make sure that you get notified on each one of these episodes because I will be throwing this out um, every week. But I know that this season is almost to a close. I am deeply sorry. And not only am I sorry, but I don't want it to end either. But it, it takes a lot of knowledge and effort to form these podcast episodes. So just please... Just please bear with H1. Bear with H1. Bear the jokes too. But anyway, um, I appreciate every single one of you. And please get ready to run it back for the last episode next week. The end of season three. It's going to be a banger. I promise it is. Let's run it back with another episode chess knowledge chess knowledge chess wisdom chess understanding your boy it's gucci we're gonna be right now i'm just playing okay peace i'll see you next time